A Tricky Kid Media original presentation distributed by iHeartRadio. Welcome to Tricky Kid Radio, where the past and the future meet the present for a fun mix of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Hosted by filmmaker and DJ Roy Turner. Hey, everybody. Uh, joining me this week is Christina Catalina. Uh, she is starring in this great new movie called I'm Not in Love. I just saw it last night, by the way. Uh, it's directed by Cole Spector. It will be out on January 25th on all streaming platforms via Gravitas Ventures. Christina, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you, Roy. Thank you. And so I, uh, you know, I, told you, I, I, so I just saw the movie last night. And have you ever like done that thing where like you go to like a film festival or like a screening and you're watching a movie and you happen to like look over and realize that the cast is in the audience with you and then they get up and you're like oh like whoa wow like that's kind of where i am right now i i, I just saw your charming face for 90 straight minutes just a few hours ago so i'm like there she is right here uh, so talk to me about about this uh, okay um how did you get involved and connected with this project well so it was co it was co-written by cole specter and um uh, exec produced by Al Weaver, who plays the central character. And he, uh, together, I think they just decided to meet with various people who might be good for the project. Um, and I came in for an audition, which was one of the most marvelous uh, and intense and beautiful auditions I've ever had. I think I can safely say that. Normally you're sort of in and out, or maybe you're in a bit longer for theater, but for film, people don't spend a lot of time with you. And Cole, actually spend an hour with me, just looking at the different scenes, directing me, uh, talking to me together, recording things. I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but I think, I don't see why not, recording things on his phone and then sharing me the recording and working together with me. I suppose what struck me as extraordinary was that here was a director and a co-writer who was really interested in finding the character, not just casting someone who's sort of, just a fit because they look right or they might right. sound right. He, he had um, taken the time to uh, be interested in finding this character together with me and exploring together with me. And it gave me a real taste of what it would be like to work with him. Um, and I really loved it. And I loved the script and the character. And we went on from there, really. I was really chuffed to get it. Well, that was... I thought you were a great fit for it. And what was funny was, was when you, when you were on screen, I didn't, I gotta be honest, I didn't recognize you until I can't remember quite where it was, but at one point I was like, wait a minute, she was in Eastern Promises. What were some of the challenges you felt like you faced? In this role? Yeah. I think it was challenging in, well, in a sense as all characters are when, when you, when you have an, a much more of an arc where um, you want to tell the story, you want to make sure that you are um, giving 
all the different aspects of the character. I think sometimes you get stories that are told from one particular point of view and maybe some of the characters are just sort of serving that main plot or main point of view. And I think um, Cold and Radha, the, the co-writer, really tried to give those multiple points of view. So it was important for me that um, my character, that you read her reasons as to why she's acted the way she is, that you're not just falling for him, for, for Al's character and thinking, yes, he is completely right, he's in the right. Um, but I think what the script does with all the characters is you, you see all these different points of view. You see the point of view of the you know, the guy, the, the guy who still goes out and like messes around. You see the point of view of married couples who've been together for a long time and might sound cynical, but actually they're happy or well, some of them maybe have some stuff to work on. You, you see all these different points of view and the girls dating and, and the mother. And you sort of, in the film, I think you are being given the opportunity throughout to take different sides, to maybe change your mind, to think, yeah, okay, well, I agree with you, but no, hang on a minute. No, yeah. she's, she's coming in with this, you know? And I think that was the challenge for me to, even though, um, you know, she's sometimes, I mean, the first scene, you see her snoring, which is just brilliant because I didn't want to play an ingenue, you know? She was a real woman who snores and can be yeah. sexy and gorgeous at the same time and cries and snot all over the face, you know? So yeah. it's brilliant to be able to show her in all her facets and hopefully people come around to a way of thinking if they're not on her level from the beginning or maybe see her flaws if they think she's right from the start you know hopefully people get that duplicity it's mm, really good that much trying to fatten you up so you can't leave me i can tell you're not married well i'm living with someone she's the most honest and good person I've ever met. You know, I was 29 and I blinked and somehow I'm going to be 38. Well, you know what to say. 38 is the new 29. Not for my ovaries. Mortar's going to leave me if I don't do the whole marriage and kids thing. It's a Grady Clarity 1.5 carat diamond. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I need to, uh... Sorry. I was respecting someone amazing, but don't fall into the amazing trap. If you haven't met the right person by now, you're not gonna. You haven't changed at all. Thanks. <laughs> I want to get married and have kids. You could just take me out for a drink. No, um, that's, that's not a good idea. Look, oh, I, I just came here for a quiet drink with you. That's This is turning into something really weird. We like weird. That's my mum. She's an absolute narcissist. Oh, your mum's the narcissist? Yeah. You're not a nice person. You've got issues with women. You're totally dishonest. I feel sorry for your girlfriend because she could do better. I don't want you here tonight. Every girl you meet starts out as a ten, and then the more you get to know them, they soon become a nine, and an eight, and a seven, and so on. And Marta's like solid six. Wow. Bring out the streamers. Stop being such an idiot. He's such an idiot. Just be a man. What's the point of men anyway? Love is very simple. The secret to staying together is staying together. That's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, uh, one thing's interesting that people might not know, uh, if they're not familiar, this is actually uh, the third installment of a trilogy, uh, even though they're not really, they're not connected in terms of, of uh, the characters, but they're like spiritual sequels. 
Um, the other two films, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> were Someone Else and Honeymooner. Did you did you see those two films before getting into this role? Well, I wasn't aware of them before, but I I, I checked them out. Certainly, um, I remember seeing, I can't remember if it was um, Someone Else or Honeymooner, but there was a, a really terrific scene between um, a couple in bed and they sort of, you know, one of those moments that's supposed to into a lovely and then there's a whole sort of argument or, you know, conversation that ensues as it often does when we are intimate with each other. It's not all smelling of roses. And I really loved the way, again, uh, human nature was being explored in its in its realness, you know, nothing, I mean, we call this the sort of anti-rom-com, rom-com, but it is very much that sort of looking at real life scenarios and I don't want to say it's a it's the rom-com version of The Office but there is an element of that sort of all the cringiness all the uncomfortable bits as well that you yeah. experience in real life and you see them in the film and I think you see them in all of the films in the trilogy and it's probably something that is calls you know taste and 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 vibe so you you see it in his work yeah yeah I'd be remiss if I didn't find some type of either parallel or, or, or homage, if you will. Um, there was something kind of very Nick Hornby about the way this was written. Are you you're familiar with, with Nick Hornby's High Fidelity and, and, and About a Boy? Uh, uh, one of the most like dating from a male perspective, especially from, from an English perspective, an Englishman's perspective, of course, is Nick Hornby. And the main character in High Fidelity is named Rob. And so I, I, I kept seeing that this had to have been some sort of influence there. Are you familiar with Nick Hornby's work? And did you guys talk about that at all? We didn't talk about it, but I think it's a really interesting point you're making. And I think, um, I don't know if you're talking to Cole at all and to Radha, so Radha Chakraborty who co-wrote this, but I know that they had, it, it had been in development for a really long time. I know that Cole was, I'd never met Radha. I think she came on set one day maybe, but I don't know if I was doing a scene then. But I know that Cole said that the two of them were talking about it for a, a while. So I think they were sort of um, developing the script and thinking about the different aspects and, you know, Nick Holmby may, may well have uh, appeared in their conversations. But yeah, um, yeah we, we probably, we didn't talk, we didn't talk as much about their inspiration for the script. We sort of probably talked more about the characters, the motivations, the, the sort of the here and now for us as actors sort of bringing these characters to life. Okay, I just thought I know that sometimes directors and whatever will kind of give their cast homework, and I didn't know if I was curious to know if that was part of the uh, part of the assignment was to, to be familiar with that if you weren't already. We it it wasn't, and I'm trying to think of what homework, so to speak, we were given. But I mean, first it was shot over. I think my my involvement was probably over about seven, eight days and probably the whole production was shot over three weeks if I, if I remember correctly. So um, it was um, not a hugely long production yet it felt very intense. It felt like we sort of, when we were there, we were just fully in the world. And I think all the conversations we're we were having and we were having these conversations were very much about the scenes, the characters' lives, uh, what, 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 what they were like before. You know, what was the journey that had gone on to get to where they are? Their motivations, why they're acting the way they are. Do you think this is working? Um, does this feel right? You know, sometimes maybe even sort of changing small things in the script. Something that Cole really loves to do, 
and I relish as an actor, is um, freeing us up by asking us to sort of forget about the words, forget about the words, just just do a wild one, you know, where we sort of, or we're sort of still on script, but forget about everything I've told you so far, just do one that feels completely different. Um, and you sort of go, oh, great, yeah, he, he, he wants me to do what I want to do, like something completely crazy. And then you do, and then he very sort of gently and gentlemanly kindly goes, okay, great. And now let's go back to the, let's go back to the script. And basically what he's doing is he's freeing you up Right. And then you go back to the script, but you go back with this sort of new nuance that you found in that freedom, you know, you're not sort of just trying to maybe, particularly if you're sort of stuck on a particular thing. It's a really great little technique that I really appreciate it. Well, and it pays dividends too, because I, I, I kind of get what you're saying now, because it kind of builds upon uh, a couple of different directors, maybe techniques, like, like, for example, like Richard Linklater, I'm sure you probably saw the Before Sunrise and, and those types of films that are very minimalistic, shot very quickly like this one. Uh, in fact, Al was even in uh, Richard's uh, Me and Orson Welles. So, I, um, so I, I like how this film, without giving anything away for those that haven't, of course, seen it yet, um, I like how it builds upon that. And if, if that technique is what kind of maybe be inspired from those films, but builds upon it. Uh, there's a great scene when, um, gosh, I don't want to give too much away, but there's, a, I guess we could call it the proposal scene uh, without uh, giving too much away. Uh, it is so striking how your reaction in that scene does not feel like you were acting. That feels like you, are, I, am, I, am, I am watching this uncomfortable thing unfold in front of me. Talk to me about that scene for a little bit. That was a really fun scene, like painful, yeah, excruciating scene. Yeah, again, um, I remember sort of we, I think we maybe played around a little bit with the order of some of the words and the questions. And I don't, I don't want to give anything away, but I think Rob, Rob Al, even, it's going to hate me for saying this. I think he burped in one of the shots and I think that maybe is the shot that ended up being in the film because it was so it was so crass the fact that he was trying to do something and it sort of he didn't do something that's like completely the opposite of what he's trying to do it's quite funny <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but we just yeah I think even when we were rehearsing the lines and I'm sure loads of other everyone's got their own technique and loads of other actors probably do the same but we were rehearsing the the words sort of quite quickly and quietly but we sort of kept the full in full performance full intention live because then you sort of see what happens it's it's that difference between sort of theater and film theater you sort of practice the whole thing with the intention so that you sort of hit the same note every night or you still have a sort of um, you know it's a bit of freedom but sometimes with films it, it helps because the camera is so close and it like you said it sort of really benefits from appearing almost like it's well yeah it's just happening like nothing, none of this is rehearsed of course like all the great performances are with the theatre tv I feel that way right but it certainly helps with film and tv not to not to practice the script too much with the full intentions and performance so that it's sort of really fresh and then little nuances they're almost like little i don't know billiards you know like pool tick, 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 tick. like they will right. sort of angle your reaction slightly differently and that's the fun the joy of playing together well, and playing with a great you know partner like Al I mean that was just yeah really thrilling for me and um Sinead who plays um 
my friend, my Romanian friend, again, what brilliant partner. She was so nasty. I was so afraid of her. I've always, as a guy, I've, I've been, I've had that good friend to an ex-girlfriend who was going to call me out, man. I was like, I know that girl. It's, and she, it was so convincing. And like you said, all the greatest performance always feels like that they're not rehearsed. And that's where you start questioning the process and stuff. But, uh, you know, and we're going to take a quick break and be right back with more Tricky Kid Radio. Tricky Kid Radio is distributed by iHeartRadio and is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to Tricky Kid TV on YouTube.com for a stunning visual look at all the fun we have here, plus exclusive content, short films, and more. Follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle, at TrickyKid2. Type Tricky Kid Radio Podcast on Facebook and DJ Tricky Kid on Instagram. Speaking of which, subscribe now to Roy Turner's alter ego DJ Tricky Kid's amazing Twitch channel at twitch.tv for retro gaming, exclusive DJ sets, as well as DJ instruction and live streaming of Tricky Kid Radio, where you, the audience, can participate and interact with our guests. Don't miss a single stream, so you can be up to date on the latest on all things Tricky Kid. Subscribe now at twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Kid. While we take a short break, let me assure you this isn't an ad you can afford to skip. Simply be entranced by my voice so you can hear from these great sponsors. Hey guys, while we take a break, I wanted to tell you something about my favorite venue in Texas uh, and maybe the world over. Uh, if you have never been to the Texan Theater in Greenville, which is uh, it's you know a little ways north uh, on your way to Oklahoma. Uh, it's a, I guess it's about an hour and a half maybe north of, of Dallas. Uh, it is the greatest venue in the world. The proprietor, owner, and just all-around badass, Barbara Haran, p- puts on one of the most unique experiences you will ever have in your life. Uh, she approaches things from a very different business model that I think the whole world should embrace, and we would all would be uh, better for it. It's just this amazing uh, experience where you get to see uh, one of your favorite artists up close in a gorgeous venue. The, and dinner is included uh, unlimited drinks are included um you know she treats her staff so well they're not getting the whatever the two dollar an hour and relying on tips things she makes she takes good care of them literally none of them have had to suffer uh throughout the pandemic thankfully uh barb's just a great gal a great person uh, very creative and just uh, just one of my favorite people. And so, if you're ever in Greenville or even near, anywhere near Dallas, make a point to visit the Texan Theater in in, uh, in Greenville. And as you know, we're working on our uh, uh, King's X film project. You know, as you know, I'm a filmmaker myself, and so we'll be should be talking about that maybe in the context of Tribeca soon. Uh, but we will be having the film along with a live performance uh, with King's X there at the Texas Theater uh, as soon as we can get this sucker done. So so once again, Texan Theater in Greenville. Check it out. Hey, folks. This is Brian O'Halloran. You might know me from such iconic classic films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Vulgar. Anyway, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio. 
Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Hey, everybody. This is actor and musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith films Clerks and Vulgar. You are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Once again, your host, Roy Turner. Something else I thought was kind of interesting that I wanted the, our listeners to know was that I was trying to place your accent during the film. <clears throat> of course, it's, it's, it's set in, in, in London, right? The, the film is at the setting, right? And uh, <clears throat> so speaking of, of Before Sunrise, your accent almost kind of reminded me of Julie Delpy's in, in that film. And I was like, but it's not necessarily French. And it's not necessarily English. And I found out that you're actually Romanian. I am Romanian. The character of Marta is Polish. And there's a funny sort of slight inflection I find to a Polish accent um, that sound, it can sound a little bit French. Yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, Polish people might disagree with me, but there is, there is a tonality which I think lends itself to it because, and I, and I remember sort of speaking to Polish people and saying to them, wait, are you, are you French? Are you Italian? And they're like, no, no, we're Polish. Because um, obviously, yeah, um, Eastern Europe has got a lot of, uh, different languages they right. are rooted in different languages Romanian is rooted in Latin so that's actually closer to French and Spanish and Italian and Portuguese but Polish is rooted in Slavonic languages just more right. like Russian and Bulgarian um, but they each sort of have their own musicality as well and different accents and I, I played a Polish character before on a number of occasions um, where I've had to learn Polish uh, speech as well, direct Polish speech and worked with a sort of a speech um, expert. And the greatest compliment, of course, was, was a Polish you know, members of the audience coming to me after the show, trying to speak to me in Polish. That was for a theatre play. I sort of knew I nailed it. I don't know, you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> I do. I love, I love European accents are much more, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with because I grew up all over Europe, so um, I'm, I'm comfortable with them, and yeah. So so where are you calling me from right now? I live in London. In, okay, I, I thought so, okay. Because again, like I said, I was trying to, you know, to kind of pick up on, I, I lived in a neighborhood in Brooklyn uh, for about 10 years that was almost exclusively Polish, uh, and and so I got to know that dialect pretty well because I would hear it all day. So I heard a little bit of that, but then I, but again, like I said, there was a lot of it that really reminded me of something that sounded almost French. So I was, I was glad that you, you were to clear that up for me there, you know. Um, uh, one more thing I wanted to ask. So going into this, we talked about some of the challenges. Talk about some of the fun. What, 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 what was the most fun and just something great, like that when you think of the experience, the first thing you think of, like when you're telling stories to your friends, what would you tell them? I mean, it was definitely the party scene because, you know, when you take a bunch of actors, put them all together, they're always going to get up to no good. You know, it was we were all gathered in the garden and the whole scene was sort of, um, you know, there were a lot of comedians in the film, like comedian, actor, comedian. So people very skilled at comedy and, you know, just seeing people's faces, they were saying their lines and everyone has sort of like almost like one liners and, you know, sort of ban bantering off each other. And there's this like group of friends where like the gorgeous hot girlfriend is introduced and everyone's sort of making a face and um you know and then Rob is is trying to be sort of cajoled by his single friend to sort of go you know why don't you ask her out or you know it's it sort of with Marta there and she sort of catch it it was very um 
what's like um re uh, what's that it was very farcical is the word i'm looking for okay like okay fast like you know yeah fast and furious little well who's gonna catch whom out and that was definitely a really fun scene to do and it was off screen just as fun as on screen well you know, i really also like uh how you know it's, it's funny how things play out in america uh versus in europe like i i there's certain things where you would watch that this movie with a European audience that would have definite different reactions than an American audience. One I thought was so striking, and this is of course no disrespect to anybody else, but like when they had built up this scene, he's talking about like this, like the hot ex-girlfriend, like Taylor or something like that. And I'm I'm expecting, and don't get me wrong, the girl that played Taylor was absolutely gorgeous and all that. But what's interesting to me, however, is that they set the audience up for this like what I guess it, for European standards or tastes would be considered to be the one in America, believe it or not, it would actually would be you like, like, like how you, they were trying to play this. You're kind of like the ordinary gal and then Taylor's like the, the hot girlfriend comparison and an American audience may not, may not see it that way. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the whole film sort of goes against the grain, goes against sort of preconceptions. So for starters, I think it doesn't even matter who looks like whom, like the, the, yeah. the whole point of sort of perceptions, right? So whatever his ex, his hot ex could have been, you know, a six year old. I don't know, you know, it could have been anyone. Right. It was someone who in his memory was the hot ex, right? Right. Um, and and then you've got Marta who, I mean, you might think or not think she's gorgeous, but you know, in his eyes, I mean, she's very religious as a character as well, which in Europe is, is not as popular as it is in America. I don't know if it still is. Um, Unfortunately and, it is. <laughs> yeah. So here it's sort of seen as a, as a, as a, as a turn down, turn off um, a little bit. So she's, she's seen a sort of bit serious, you know, the sort of, um, and I've, I've actually had that, um, sort of description when I first came to this country, because I moved from Romania via Germany to the UK when I was 19 and everyone at drama school thought I was hot, but they just thought she is unbearably serious. And like, you cannot have a conversation with her about something really mundane because she was sort of talking about feelings or the, I don't know what. So <laughs> I didn't really have all the popular culture at my fingertips because I hadn't grown up with the same popular culture as the people here. And maybe for Marta it's a little bit similar, sort of she has a very serious job, you know, she's a manager, she's got responsibility um, and she's religious and she has a group at church that she goes to on trips with. But the fact is, she's got a great big heart. She She's very genuine um, and she's great fun too. I mean, I, probably that's one thing you might not see quite enough of her in the film, you know, but like, you know, the moment that all the story that have led up to the moment in the film, you know, they've been together for a while. They've had some fun together. They've been on trips together. She's fun. She's hot. She's a bit serious, you know, but it's all about his perception of her. If he's sort of at the moment seeing her as a bit too serious or too dull or really too committed. Yeah. Um, it's really that that is running away from like a, aside from the person and what she looks like he's running away from the idea of commitment and she embodies that whereas his ex in his mind embodies the idea of playing around still so 
I think that it's more that I think that he's sort of running away and towards. Well, I think that's where I, I really felt that I felt the 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 Hornby uh, connection the most because there's a that plays out pretty big in High Fidelity the the visiting of the old exes to remind you of what you have now and and things like that. But but the way that is, you know, it's supposed to be set up that like you know Taylor's supposed to be the one that got away and then you're the one they settle for. But again, like I said, like with the different types of of I don't know like dynamics. Uh, I was like, wait a minute, he shouldn't be like, like I'm, I'm supposed to be disappointed that he didn't make it with Taylor, but instead I'm watching it and I'm going, you're wasting your time. Th this is the one, right? He, you know what I mean? I'm, and I just thought that would be interesting. I wonder how that would play out to a, to a European audience. I, I'll give you one reference here. I remember watching, I'm a music guy, as you can see behind me. I remember watching train spotting in the theater way back whenever I was uh, in college and uh, there's a scene, you know, there's a pretty, pretty brutal scene there with, with the baby and, and all that. You've seen Train Spotting, of course. Yeah. But what scores that is the New Order song, uh, Temptation, right? Okay. Well, American audiences do not know the history of that song in England and how it was banned. And it was something you had to, like, sneak around. So when I'm watching this very powerful scene and suddenly I hear... Uh, like in New Orders trains, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, Temptation, that's uproariously funny to me. And I'm the only one in the theater, like, what are you laughing at, you monster? You know, you got this, you know, this baby floating around and he's having all these. And so I, I, little things like that, I always, I always enjoy and, 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 and always like to get feedback from the cast to see, how do you think when you, in the moment, were you thinking about how this might play out to, to, to different audiences on both sides of the, of the, of the water there, you know? I definitely think about it now because I'm talking to you and other, you know, other interviewers, because I think when you, at the time when you're making it, you have to just think about the characters, their motivations and the truth of who they are. I mean, that's all you can do really, but it is really interesting the way you pose it, you know, how you can see it differently um, from different cultural cultures and backgrounds. And I think that's true even within each, you know, within America, within Europe, depending on class or depending on experience, depending, you know, I mean, that's the beauty really for me with this film is sort of, there are all these different entry points and viewpoints and you can sort of feel yourself swapping between them as well and there there is an anchor for everyone to sort of find something truthful or something that they will be challenged by equally you know yeah. so sort of a bit of a journey for everyone well again the movie is called i'm not in love it's going to be out on january 25th on all the uh the video on demand platforms uh hopefully it will also will have a theatrical i think it's going to have a, a a brief theatrical release in america uh but you but you won't have to leave the comfort of your home during these challenging times to enjoy this wonderful picture christina thank you so much for joining us today uh when before i let you go though when what's up next for you when when can we see you next um, I am in an ITV drama called A Spy Amongst Friends, uh, which I'm not allowed to reveal anything about, I'm sure. Um, but it will be on ITV probably sometime this year. And it's an adaptation of a novel about real life spies during the Cold War. A Spy Amongst Friends. It's really brilliant. And wow. Delicious character for a brief second. Opposite <laughs> 
amazing other actors. Well, I am looking forward to that. That sounds like my kind of film anyway, my, my kind of project I would be into anyway. Uh, anything else we can plug here? Where can, they, where can they find you online? Is there anything that we can, we can add to, uh, to, to, to the project here? I mean, not directly to this, but in my uh, in my other life, I'm also a producer and I produce for a company called Dash Arts, uh, dasharts.org.uk. We have a podcast, all things arts. Um, so people, even digital audiences can engage with our work, but it's not related to this film. So yeah, it's just another thing I do. Okay. Well, I listen to podcasts all day long. So I'm always up for, for, for listening to something new and getting turned on to something new, especially in that medium as well. Again, the movie is called I'm Not in Love. Check it out January 25th across all video on demand platforms. Again, to our guest, Christina Catalina, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope we'll have a chance to talk again soon. Roy, thank you. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure as well, darling. Hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This has been a presentation of Tricky Kid Media Originals, distributed by iHeartRadio, created and directed by Roy Turner, edited and mastered by Marcus Miller, theme music by The Buck Pets, original score by Jocelyn Hunt, artwork by Antora Sandy, marketing and PR by Francesca Miles. Tricky Kid Radio is hosted by Roy Turner with introductions by me, Dana French. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week.